I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your way. Welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I've done in the past many times on this program, I've reached back and talked to people who helped me get to where I am today, be it in Minnesota or in St. Louis. And today it will be somebody in Saint, from St. Louis. And you will meet this gentleman next here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone. Minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls, text, listen to music or podcasts, and get directions by voice command or single-touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very expensive. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year, and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising, since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please. Drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Got me hot. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I stated earlier, before the commercial break, I have tried to reach out to people who helped me along the way of my journey, my 61-year journey. Unfortunately, my parents had passed before I started this podcast, but I've been able to speak to people outside of that who have helped me along the way. And today I continue to do that with a Missouri State Hall of Famer, a Missouri Baptist College Hall of Famer, Famer, Sumner High School Hall of Famer, and I know I'm forgetting something, a uh, teacher, a principal, a basketball coach, and a leader of men and young women, Travis Brown. How are you doing, Coach? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, first of all, before we go any further, yeah. let me take this opportunity to thank you <laughs> for, for reaching out oh. and uh, just soliciting uh, me uh, because you made a very, very impact upon me as well, <laughs> profound impact on me as well. 
Me? This kid that cut, used to cut up in your class as a freshman? <laughs> well, yes. The one used to cut up in my class as a freshman. The one, the one who helped me when I was coaching. But, but I look at it. Look how you and have navigated yourself from a freshman at Sumner High School. And by the way, a good student, <laughs> and from good stock. Yes, that's Parents true. Were good stock and Christian people. Right. Well, St. Matthews. Right. Well, they sent sent nine kids to to Sumner High School, and uh, and I've said this over and over with other guests I've uh, uh, interviewed, like Coach Walls and a few others. Um, Sumner High School is the oldest all-black high school west of the Mississippi. Uh, was it 1875, and it still continues to roll on. Not as strong as when I was there, but it still um, roll, rolls on. So let me begin my questions with you with this. Were you born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri? I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I was born at Homer Phillips Hospital. Right. which is only a couple of blocks from Sumner High School. All my education was in the St. Louis Public Schools, from yeah. Simmons mm-hmm. to Turner Middle to Sumner High School. Yeah, and uh, the, the hospital you mentioned, Homer G. Phillips Hospital, uh, was a training hospital for young black doctors back in the day. So, unfortunately, that is gone uh, by the wayside, the city closed it and made a huge mistake. But um, who uh, who knows what the future holds? And so, uh, as you were growing up, how did you fall in love, or did, or when did you fall in love with the game of basketball? At a very early age, uh, I mentioned Homer Phillips Hospital. We mentioned Sumner High School, but between Homer Phillips Hospital. And Sumner High School was a recreation center called Tandy Recreation Center. Yes. So that was about a block and a half from my house. Okay. So a lot of the young men and women, young ladies, spent a lot of time at the rec center. And so at that point, I fell in love with basketball. And did you have any idea that it would carry you to the lengths that it it did? I didn't have any idea of that, but I just loved the game. And it really fulfilled some of the days because we knew we had to do a couple of things. We knew if we went to Tandy's to play that I had to come home and do my homework. Right. So it, it kept me on point academically and recreationally. Um, so as you're growing up playing basketball and you uh, matriculate to Sumner High School, and uh, when what was the first year that you made varsity? The first year I made varsity was my junior year. Uh, I, I I did not play Boise prior to that. Now, there were some non-league games that we played in the varsity on non-league, 
but as far as PHL games are, and those acronyms stand for the public high league. Right. And, uh, but we, we played in some of those games. And you played for Mr. Algy, correct? Played for Coach John Algy. Yeah. Uh, he was an administrator when I, by the time I got to Sumner High. But um, did he have an effect on you? And if he did, in what ways? Well, I had a couple of coaches that had an effect on me. One was my junior varsity coach, or we call it the B team, was John Smith. He had a profound impact uh, on me and Mr. John Algy. John Algy was the head coach. John uh, Smith was the B team or junior varsity coach. And I admired those guys. I emulated those guys. Those guys taught me and others the game of life through basketball. They taught us always be respectful. See, always do your best. Right. Which you taught us, or at least tried to teach us. (laughs) That's right. No, I look at you. You're successful. (laughs) So we had a can-do attitude. Correct. And that's what I wanted to spread around. Right. Well, as a coach, mm-hmm. as a teacher, as a person. Well, you you um you were being taught by those two, but you kind of followed in the footstep of my godfather, um, Mr. Ed Crenshaw. Okay, yes, I knew uh, Mr. Crenshaw very well. He was he's a Sunday graduate, yes, and he taught at St. Dominic's way back in the day. And at University City High School. Yeah, he was. All of those guys had an impact on me as well. Right. No, he was my godfather. So um, myself, my sister Lillian, and my brother Michael, he was a godfather to all three of us. So so he had an effect on us as well, too. So as you're, uh, you're playing varsity, things are starting to go well. What year did you guys make state? Was it your junior year or senior year? My senior year. We won uh, the state championship in 1969. Okay. And I tell you what, we had a tremendous group of young men. Tremendous group. Harry Rogers was our team captain. Right. Uh, He was outstanding. He was 6'7". David Brent was outstanding. He was a seven-footer. Uh, James Brown, a power forward. He was great. He was about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, we had uh, a host of guards. A uh, little bit, Lawrence Weathers. Marshall Rogers was a sophomore who, incidentally, his senior year in college, led the nation in scoring. Wow. William Westfall was a power forward who came off the bench, and he was a starter on that Memphis State team that played UCLA in St. Louis at the Checker Dome for the national title 
1973. Right. Now, these guys came off the bench, and they were on our squad. Mac Rush, 6'5", Clarence Bullwinkle Weaver, that we called him. <laughs> he was 6'9". So we we had some really outstanding players, just a team. And it was led by a little point guard named Travis Brown. How tall yeah, were you? I was a starting guard and, uh, on that team, but everybody made a contribution. Right. We were 30 and 2 that year. How tall were you? How tall were you? I was right at six foot. Were you? Yeah, I just just recall getting to Sumner High and everybody talking about you. Because um, it's it's odd. I got there in the uh, year 1976, and um, you were already there teaching which meant that you had gone through Sumner High with some of the older <laughs> brothers and sisters of mine, which is right. kind of which is kind of mind blowing to me. So, right, and and you know I grew up right in the right in the neighborhood, Mathit and Whittier. Right, and it was just a thrill for me to come back. Some of the kids used to tease me because it was a program that came back. That came on TV. It was called Welcome Back College. Right. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> yes, I do. And so by me going to Sumner, playing at Tandy, playing for Sumner, and coming right back when I graduated, teaching at Sumner. And by the by the time my group got through there, we started calling you the Black Shadow. So, <laughs> is that right? I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you, you know, you you had such an effect on uh, high school basketball in the city. You and Floyd Irons, Irons, that um, we started calling you the Black Shadow because you came back to your back to your roots. But That's uh, so after Sumner High and winning the state title. Um, you moved on to what was uh, college again? I'm well, sorry. I, I, I went to Missouri Baptist University. Okay. And where, and, is, uh, where is that located? It's in, in St. Louis. It's in Creedcourt, Missouri. Okay. And I, I had a, four good years there. Uh, I'm number four in scoring, 1,641 points. Uh, I still have the school record that was set in 1973 uh, of 46 points in one game. And my junior year, I averaged 22 points. In my senior year, I averaged 22 points. In my sophomore year, I averaged 17. Wow. But those th those were just years that Sumner High School helped me. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sure. Sumner High School gave me the foundation to move forward academically and athletically. 
No, I, I understand that because the three people that I worked under, well, four actually, four people I worked under as a manager slash trainer was uh, Coach Walls, Coach Perry, Coach Blaylock, <laughs> and yourself. Right. What was the common thread? All Sumner men. So All Sumner men. <laughs> That's correct. Which is something to say about uh, the way schools were back then that, um, you know, you guys would uh, leave, go get your education, and then come back to help the community. So yeah. at what point did you, after graduating college, knew you wanted to be a teacher and uh, knew that you wanted to come back to Sumner? I knew that before I graduated. Okay. I knew because of Mr. Algie and Mr. Smith making such a profound impact on me. I knew, one, I wanted to come back to the community as a teacher. Secondly, I wanted to come back at Sumner High School, which was a dream come true. So was it your first teaching job? It was my very first. I graduated in 73. And I, I and I was lucky. Mm -hmm. I graduated May thirteenth, nineteen seventy three. That was on Mother's Day. Yeah. At, on May fourteenth, Sumner called me because a teacher had uh, gone out on sick leave. I took that teacher's place. Now, prior to that, I was doing my student teaching, so uh, I was already familiar with the curriculum and what was going on. So I moved in that spot, spot that Monday when they called me. They didn't hire me permanently until the teacher actually resigned okay. uh, some months later. So I moved from Sumner High School to Missouri Baptist University, from Missouri Baptist University right back to Sumner. So uh, you said it was a dream come true. Did you feel as though that you maybe missed out on anything in life or? or No, okay. no, because uh, those goals that I set out at that time were accomplished. You know, we, we as a person, we have, we set goals all the time. Correct. And, and those goals, those immediate goals that I had set, they really came to pass well lucky for us you were <laughs> you did that and you stayed um like i said you um you had a profound effect on me as i tried to be an athlete first in high school and figured out that uh this wasn't going to get me to college and uh saw somebody before me named andre dotson who uh, went to Oklahoma State as a student trainer, and I figured right. I figured I could maybe do the same thing if I'm lucky. And uh, Coach Walls and Coach Perry for two summers took me for one week to the University of Missouri for a uh, a clinic or camp that lasted about a week, uh, learning how to uh, perform first aid and tape. Uh, ankles and things like that right. and be a help to high school coaches 
Um, so then that's when I made the decision to start to reach out to you guys and, you know, well, with Walls and Perry paying for me to go there, I had to work football. But uh, I do believe that you stopped me in the hall one day and asked me to become the manager for basketball. I did. <laughs> and I was like, sure. I, right. <laughs> I got nothing else Without to lose. Without any hesitation. Right. Because I had nothing to lose. It was experience. And I like to be around I figured out at that point I like being around coaches. I like being in the middle of the action. I like having responsibility. Uh, so that's what I did um, for two years. And um, my junior year, we had such a dynamite team. Um, Derek Phillips and, uh, and uh, Bick Lockett and others. And that's a team that many – thought we were destined to go to state and then unfortunately a teacher strike happened. we had a teacher strike and uh, yeah now we did win the championship the league championship we were right. undefeated yep but we we had an abbreviated schedule but we had beaten all the teams that were ranked or that were good right uh and uh, that's the the year really, we beat Deshaun by 50 points. True. And they had a, a outstanding team then mm -hmm. at, at Gateway or O'Fallon. Right. It was called then. But, yeah, but you didn't hesitate at all, and you did a fantastic job. I can't ever remember you missing any games. <laughs> I probably didn't figure it out somehow, some way to get that's. I don't know. That's the way my parents raised me, I guess. If you make the commitment, then you then you get your tail there. Um, exactly. Did you feel uh, ripped off or slighted by that opportunity loss with the teacher strike? Well, uh, I, I did not. I was a young teacher, and uh, no, I didn't feel ripped off or, or slighted. I... I, I did what the, the other teachers did. I, I, I followed their recommendations, and uh, we didn't have an opportunity to practice because I couldn't get in the building right. because the building was, was closed. Yep. Uh, but I never did feel bitter about it because – I used to always say in the classroom as well as the basketball court, do your best. Right. No matter what the situ situation is, life will throw you a fastball and life will throw you a curve. Sometimes you hit a home run, sometimes you'll strike out. I couldn't predict the future, right. but at, at that present time, I said, let's do what we have to do. I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I do know what yesterday brought. Well, but I'm here in the prison. Right. So you had a championship team that year. Uh, in practice, 
we would have a rebound drill. Yep. And you would have me shoot. And if I start hitting shots, what would you tell me? Oh, that was back in 78 and 79. I'm not sure. <laughs> Black sure. Shoot your normal brick. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes okay. I'd get hot in practice and just kept, I wouldn't miss. And you would look, Blackshear, shoot your normal brick. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds just like what I would say, too. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe I had the dream that one day you would put me in a uniform and call me off the bench at some point. But nah. Uh, <laughs> so you go from a fabulous year of that year to my senior year. And it's, uh, and I hate to bring up bad memories, but it was probably one of the most trying times for you and one of the worst seasons you had. How it was the worst season that I had. We we were rebuilding that right. year. Yeah, I had uh, a younger group of of kids, but that year, and see, you know, I could go right to those years. Mm -hmm. We we lost eight games by four points or less. By four points or less. That that year. Now, that's the year I won six. And 16. But let me say this, and I've always said it. That's the year that I learned so much. Right. Because I had to spend and put so much time into it. And what I used to do, I used to, I wrote coaches' letters. Mm -hmm. Warren Stewart at Mizzou, and just to name some. And and I used to say, can I come and watch your practice? I need to find out some of the things that you are doing. Yeah, because I I remember our my senior year that that in that basketball season it was a trying time for all, because like you said it was a rebuilding year, but you had. Um, a young freshman uh, come in and really take off. But then you also had upperclassmen who had been there for three, four years and were um, kind of bucking status quo at that point. So you kind of exactly. had some inner, uh, inner fighting issues going on. Is that what you learned how to handle? Well, every season, there are different situations. And one of the things that I learned, that, now, that was my second season on, as varsity. Right. And what you learn how to do is adjust, adjust, and adjust. Right. Yeah, I remember look you looking at me at some games after some games, and you would just kind of shake your head because you know you had your assistant coach, and then there was me. You would just kind of shake your head and just kind of exhale and just kind of pull up your pants and go, "Huh? Well, we got to keep on trying." 
Right. It's going to get better. So. That's correct. And it did get better my third season. Right. Well, it, it really did. Well, it taught me for when I moved on to college that everything wasn't going to be easy. Wasn't going to, you know, because I spent two years of varsity football, you know, us being pretty successful my junior yeah, year. Yeah, state champions and right. things of that nature. Right. And being very successful our senior year. And, you know, like I said, my junior year of basketball being very successful. And that was kind of like the first year of, like, me as, as a young person dealing with some, um, you know, some struggle and some, you know. And it could have been easy for me just to say, I don't want to be around this. I'm done. And, I, you know, I hung around and I actually learned a lot from it myself. So, right. So you said the third year was great uh, or better. Yeah, the third year was much better. The young person that I believe you were talking about that came around was named Glenn Rowe. Correct. <laughs> Glenn Rowe. And then we had some other uh, people, Derek Dixon and uh, Ricky Nance. Yeah. And, and a knothead that came and saw me last weekend, Bryant Golston. But or yeah. slim, slim, <laughs> slim as we call him. Yeah, right. yeah, him. And, and now we never was big, right? Like like I had with Derek, Derek and Lockett, and we we changed some things. Now I mentioned by adjusting, uh, you know, early on in the conversation, we went to a pressing upscale type of offense. Okay. And I thought and I thought that added uh, uh, a lot. Well you but, had you had the people who could handle it, so right. And and so we were scoring a lot of points and we we deemed some of our, our uh, the team fun on the run. <laughs> well, I was gone, so I never heard that. But that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. I just remember my uh, uh, senior year. Uh, Slim or Bryant Golston was on the team, and he would drop the ball every once in a while, and you would turn to me and go, "Blackshear, get his gloves." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. Because one of the things that I had him to do. Uh, was to squeeze, squeeze the ball. Right. And so when he had the gloves on, he had to squeeze the ball to to hold on to the ball. Yeah, and then and, I – go ahead. No, but but he – matter of fact, I don't know if he told you, he was over to the house not long ago, and we talked about some of those things. Right. Yeah, he's now coaching AAU and – we kind of had we had breakfast on Sunday and had a long talk about AAU. We'll discuss you and I can discuss that a little bit later in this interview. Um, I got a trivia question for you. If you if you'll remember from my senior year, who were your team MVPs? Well, I don't know if if I had one. You had two. Uh-huh. <laughs> you had two. You had co-MVPs. Oh, gee whiz. I can't remember. <laughs> Kenneth Hutchinson oh. was one. 
one. Yeah, he's defensive specialist. Right, and I was the other one. Okay. <laughs> never played a second, never dressed for a game. And when you handed me that trophy, I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah, I was a co-MVP as a non-player on a team. And then years later, I was the head equipment person for the Gopher baseball team here at the University of Minnesota. And they named one of my student managers one of the team MVPs. And I just kind of shook my head. It's like life comes back around again. So Exactly. <laughs> but that kid had the, you know, he kind of had the same effect on the Gopher baseball team. It was one of the worst years to that point for that head coach. And, um, but Kevin was always there and he was always present and he was always doing stuff and he took a lot of load off the coaches. So, um, so it was something I saw, uh, I experienced as a high school student, but then saw later on in life as a professional. So, but with saying that, I want to tell you, thank you for that because you don't know what that meant for me and what that did for me. So, well, deservingly, uh, you were. Uh, so you continue on and you have good and great years. And um, when did you stop coaching? Well, I stopped coaching in 1988. Okay. So I actually coached from 78 to 88. And, and the reason for that, it, it was actually, it was two reasons. One, I, I was going into administration. Okay. And secondly, I, I, I had a son. Right. That I wanted to see play. And uh, so those were the two reasons. Now, it was hard for me to wrestle with that. I can imagine. But but as a parent, you 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 want to cheer your 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 son or daughter on, right? And so that's what I did. And then I was uh, going into administration. No, I understand that because I've wound up coaching, <laughs> either being the head coach or an assistant coach on my son's, you know, youth football and hockey teams as he was growing up so believe me I know uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I mean there were times where it's like okay I'm like his when he got to high school I was like whoo I'm done I'm I'm finished I can just show up and be a parent <laughs> right and his uh sophomore year they hired three young they hired a young man to be the um head coach of his football team and this head coach brought in two guys he played college football with. Well, mm -hmm. they were all former Gopher football players from the University of Minnesota. And guess who got the next call to help out was me. Oh, good. <laughs> it was like, hey, what are you doing? Why can't you help us? You can tape ankles and stuff, and we'll give you the defensive line. I was like, ugh. <laughs> It's like when I try to walk away, they bring me back in. So, but after that, that was my last three years of 
doing any coaching or whatnot. So, um, so you moved on to administration, and I hate to say you wound up the president. I mean, president principal at our rival high school. At the rival high school. How did that feel? And uh, uh, I used to kiddingly tell some of the students. I said, see, it took a bulldog to come over here and straighten out the Blue Jackets. <laughs> How was that taken? Oh, they, oh, Mr. Brown, why are you saying that? You know, and things of that nature. But they, I, it was in jest. Right. And, uh, but I, I really treasure the foundation that Sumner High School gave me. Yeah, it's it's funny. I have uh, four friends that you probably know. Well, you know Slim, um, mm-hmm. and you uh, Robert O'Kelly. Oh yeah. Carl Lewis and Har- oh yeah. And Harrison Lindsay. Yeah. All married girls from Beaumont. <laughs> Is that right? And so that's kind of the that's kind of the fight and running joke in our group because they kind of. The, those guys kind of say the same thing. Yeah, you Beaumont women were looking for Sumner men to get your life right. together. <laughs> right. So, I've that is something that I've heard for years. So, yeah, they've all they all married Beaumont women. Uh, so you you move in administration, you give up coaching, and then the accolades really start to come in. Um, how was it to be a named a Hall of Famer at your coach at your high school for the city of St. Louis and for the state of Missouri? Well, uh, it, it was a tremendous honor. And you you don't do anything in, in isolation. Right. Uh, you don't do anything in isolation. I had plenty of people to assist me and to give me uh, advice. Um, uh, I was uh, in, at Sumner, I was named one of the top 50 uh, greatest players, uh, but I was not the star of the team. I mean, I had a good year and, and, and that's, I had a good year <laughs> with Sumner. Right. And uh, we had a tremendous team. Uh, at Mo Baptist, that's what we call Missouri Baptist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, I'm still ranked number four, fourth all time in scoring and number 10. Oh, I think I'm number 11 now in assists. Right. And, uh, you know, 46 points in a single game and, 18 field goals is still uh, a school record. Well, that's that's shocking with, uh, you know, numbers of games have increased per season. So, you know, they have more opportunities to break a record like that. that, That's correct. And then when I played, we didn't have a three-point shot. That's right. Nor a shot. Three points. Right. So uh, I, I still look at that, and uh, I treasure that, and I was inducted into that Hall of Fame. And, and then the Missouri Hall of Fame, uh, 
uh, I was inducted as a sports administrator because after my principalship, I went down to the central office Mm -hmm. and I was a athletic director over all the schools. Even though the schools had an athletic director, right? I was the district athletic director, and I was on this board, the Missouri State High School Activity Association Board, which is called MISHA. Right. And uh, I was the first uh, African-American hmm. president of that board. Right. Well. That's something. Well, I don't know if I ever told you this. When I got here, I was the first black athletic student trainer in the history of the University of Minnesota. Wow. Three months later, because of um, uh, financial considerations, my uh, boss said, you probably need to go work with the athletic group. I mean, the uh, equipment group because they can get you some money. I don't have many money to give you. So that's when I went to the dark side and became an equipment manager. And at that that move, I became the first athletic student athletic manager at the University of Minnesota. Uh, wow. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Three years later, I became the first black student manager to letter at the University of Minnesota. And also, I would play intramural sports, and it became the first black student to ever win an intramural hockey championship. Oh. And, you, and you know, this this is the state of hockey, they call it. So, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you guys launched uh, <laughs> launched me into a lot of firsts when I, when I came here. <laughs> so. And, and so... By me being, uh, then I I went back and got my uh, CAA license, which is a certified athletic administrator. Okay. Then I started this program with the Rams. And it was a scholar, it was a St. Louis Public Schools scholar athlete program. Right. It was was a scholar athlete luncheon. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, you had to have an average of 3.25, complete their sports, promote the values of sportsmanship, citizenship, character, and academic excellence. Yes, my, my oldest brother, Danny, has correct. attended that a couple of times, and he's mentioned he's running to you there. So, Yeah. He, he was... He was floored in the fact that he was invited. He was like, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I invited him. <laughs> right. He's so, like, go ahead. Yeah. We, we, and in the eight years, we honored more than 3,600 students. That's wonderful. There, uh, those are things that people don't hear about the city of St. Louis. They hear the bad, they hear the negative, right. but they don't hear the good things that come from especially the inner city, especially what we used, what is called the veil. That's correct. And the, uh, for people who are listening who've never heard of this, that's short for the village, which was the area of town where originally um, 
black professionals lived, doctors, exactly. lawyers, and and such lived in the city of St. Louis. So, and all of this was before desegregation and Brown versus uh, Board of Education, education yeah. and all those things. So, yeah, I mean, we were segregated, but we had pride in what we had and we basically took care of it with people like you and yourself and coach walls and coach Perry and coach Blaylock and Mr. Simmons and Mr. Algae. (laughs) So yeah. Uh, very tight knit group of people are Miss Mitchell and Mr. T and I can go on and on at Mr. Thompson and, um, go on and on to the coaches who were also teachers at the school who helped guide young men and women, not only to high school, but to get them to move on to college. Exactly. And we had a camaraderie between uh, ourselves. Right. Yes, you did. You mentioned some people. And at that time I was the baby of the bunch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, you were. (laughs) But you never fought with each other over no, athletes. No. It was like, no. okay, go play football, but, you know, basketball season comes around, you know, I expect you here, or wrestling, or track, or this, that. Or baseball. Right. Or, you know. We all, right. you guys all knew that it would make them a more rounded person and a more rounded athlete, which. Right. Till this day, you can't get parents to understand. You can't have your kids just specialize in one sport all their life. But um, that's right. You, you, we, we want the student athlete to be well rounded. So because you never know where your niche may be. Right. That's true. So speaking of student athletes, and um. And athletics, do you still follow basketball? I do. I still follow uh, basketball, not high school basketball the last couple of years as much as I wanted to. Right. But uh, the college, yes. Uh-huh. Because I can see that on TV. I don't have a particular uh, college that I cheer for. Right or anything like that. I just enjoy the game and enjoy watching the game. So what do you think of what's going on in college now with uh, name, image, and likeness and student transferring, the transfer uh, portal, and also the amount of, um, seems like, power AAU has over high school teams? It's, it's It's different. It really is, and it's just, I'm going to say it's just different. Okay. It's so much different from when we played or when I played. And uh, some people say it progressed. And you never want sports to be stagnated. Right. You, You want sports to progress. And uh, we talked about the three-point shot. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any qualms about that. Or the shot uh, clock either. Or the shot clock. Uh, baseball now, I think, is 
moving forward. Right. Uh, football is moving forward. And I think some situations occurred that things had to change in some sports. For example, 2013, the talk about concussion. Correct. And then that going into effect. And I know in 2010 and 2011, uh, we had to deal with some foundational problems that dealt with concussion as it related to high school students. The Missouri State Athletic uh, Association. And I was part of the Brain Injury Association of Missouri. So I had firsthand knowledge about uh, the concussions. Right. Well, as a certified athletic equipment manager, um, we struggle with that too, with the fact that um, we know that by the time young people get to college, they've already suffered one or many concussions. Right. And um, no matter, you know, proper equipment, proper fitting, which we do at this level, there's nothing that can stop. I want people to understand one thing. There's nothing that can stop the brain from moving in the head, in the skull. So there's nothing that can prevent a concussion. Exactly. (laughs) And I I don't think people can, because helmet manufacturers make new helmets once every three years, and they, they and they talk about, how less concussions there are in, in practice and games now in the NFL and college. Well, some of that has to do with the cutback of practices. Exactly. <laughs> and some of that has to do with the cutback of hitting. I mean, when I first came to college in the University of Minnesota, when we reported back for the start of the season, we practiced three times a day. Now they can only, they can only practice twice a day every other day. And then one important part uh, is this. Concussions were not reported because people couldn't identify them. That's right. And when I used to speak about concussions, I used to say, think of it in this terms. Think of an egg. Mm -hmm. And then I said, on the inside of the egg, the yolk moves around. Right. But on the outside of the egg, that's a shell. Which and is I skull. When, that's right. And when you get hit, that inside of that brain moves. That's what causes the concussions. Right. So um, the only way to combat it is for, for less contact or in games, less plays, um, in sports like, uh, you know, hockey and football are collision sports. Basketball is a contact sport. Um, Right. So even in your contact sports, just wearing something as like a mouth guard helps with the the lessen the severity of a concussion. Uh, right. Soccer, the uh, headshot. You know exactly. I I swear, coach, 
I was the equipment manager for the women's soccer team here at the University of Minnesota, and sometimes I would talk to our young athletes, and I thought I was talking to an empty wall, a blank wall <laughs> sometimes, because I know they've been slamming balls off their heads, and it's something soccer coaches don't want to talk about, but there is probably as many concussions in soccer <laughs> as there is in football. Exactly, and people didn't realize this when I used to give them statistics about competitive cheer. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, pyramids people, and they, flips. That's right, <laughs> and spinning around. People didn't understand. They said, well, Mr. Brown, how? I said, you know, when you get jolted and, and that head shakes, People could have an opportunity to get a concussion. Yeah. You you land hard. You land hard on your head. You land hard on your back. All those things, that's, you know, that's a sudden stop of the, exactly. of the body, but the brain slams against the wall. Right. Um, so we kind of touched it. Um, do you think people like Coach Krzyzewski – and Coach Williams and others um, who are recently retired, do you think they were retiring because of name, image, and likeness in the transport portal? Well, you know, I can't speak for for those guys because I don't I, I don't know them. We haven't had that conversation, but uh, I, I just said they fulfilled their dreams and uh, they achieved their goals. And I guess at that point, they came to the conclusion that it's time for me to move on and pass the torch. So uh, do you watch the NBA at all? I do. What do you think of that game? And what do you think the um, the, um, the the running of – one and done players to the NBA, and and at one point, people like Garnett and Kobe being straight out of high school. How did you think that affected the pro game? Well, I, I thought it made an impact on the program game because generally, you you think of a player going to high school, then going four years in college, and then being drafted. But the talent levels now, uh, they they go to to high school and go to college, one and done, or they are just tremendously talented, and they go from high school to the professional ranks. Do you, now, no, do I ahead. think that's wrong? Right. No, I don't think it's wrong because you are building or trying to make way for your family or your success. Mm -hmm. I'm not sliding education at all, but I believe that if you have that opportunity, take advantage of it because if you want to go to school, you can always go to school and there has been a number of players who have received their degrees 
during their college, uh, during their professional careers. Right. Well, uh, we just had a guy who came back, Willie Burton, that played for the Heat and other teams. He played here at the University of Minnesota, left after his junior year, and he finished his degree and he finished his master's and he's now working on his doctorate. Right. Post-NBA. And the reason why that's happening is, at least in the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. the schools will pay for former athletes to come back and go to school. And I think all the schools should do that because those athletes are giving the school notoriety and money. And when I say giving them money, I don't mean just handing them to it. Right. Those games are packed because of those superstars playing on those teams. Uh, do you think that those young people coming into the league at such a young age are lacking some fundamental in their mentals, in their base? Well, again, I, 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 I don't know if that's a yes or no question for me, but I think they should have uh, guidance. And I think they should have a mentor, which a lot of them do. Uh, And when I say a mentor, a financial mentor uh, over their monies and their conduct. Because you have to remember, those young men and women are very young. Yes. And some are immature. So they (laughs) need that, that guidance. They need that person to say, oh, no, you can't do this. This is what you should do with your investment. Oh, no, you can't do this. Your conduct. No, you can't do that. People are watching you, and it could cost you uh, money. It could be devastating to your financial well-being. Because there are some athletes... Uh, who do things and make a mistake. Yeah. And they're just broke. Right. Um, I guess I was what I was getting to also was, do you think they lack some skill sets that may be pan- playing another year in college or playing um, a, a year or two of college? Or... And, and- yeah, and I think that's possible. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, some matter of fact, some athletes choose to stay in college for that very reason, and uh, they say, "Well, I think I'm not mature enough on this portion. I think of the game. I think I need to work on something, and so I'm going to give it another year." I'm not going to enter into the draft. Some, on the other hand, may say, look, I'm just as prepared as the next man, so I'm going to go for it. And that's a decision that that is left up to the individual. And I think that decision should be discussed with a lot of loved ones 
Yes, that's true. Uh, do you have an opinion on AAU versus high school coaching? Slim and I had a long, <laughs> we had a long, and he didn't totally disagree with me. I'm on the side that in some ways AAU can be de- detrimental because it's not about fundamentals and skill teaching. It's about going out and flash and, and dash. But do you have an opinion? Well, this is my opinion about, and I I thought of this about me. I mentioned this earlier, my second season, when I went six and 16, I learned so much about myself and, and my teaching approach. Not only in the classroom, but I mean, Coaching is teaching. My teaching approach on the basketball court. And I and I think whether you're an AAU coach or not, you have to remember, first of all, you are teaching. You're teaching the game of uh, that particular sport. And uh, it's not about who is the star? It's about teaching that person to develop into the best person that they could be. So are you retired finally now or you just continue to do administrative things? No, no, I'm I'm retired. Uh, I'm retired fully. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I taught at I taught at the college for 28 years. I did not know that. Yeah, for 28 years. Sometimes I used to, I was an adjunct professor at Missouri Baptist University. Okay. So I I, I, I feel very lucky. I said, now, I had an opportunity to play at Missouri Baptist University, become a Hall of Famer at Missouri Baptist University, at an adjunct professor in history at Missouri Baptist University. I had an opportunity to attend Sumner High School, win a state championship at Sumner High School, or be a part of it, and teach at Sumner High School and a Hall of Fame. Yeah. So... I, I I I I feel pretty good with those accomplishments. <laughs> yeah, and I am very happy that I've uh, learned under your tutelage for a few years and had you as a teacher my freshman year. Right. And um, I think you still owe me some Kearney events. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> and these and these current events now are a doozy. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, this has been so great for me. Uh, like I said, I've done it once with Coach Walls. Uh, I've reached out to Coach Perry. I'm still working on it. But uh, you know, you three gentlemen, along like I said, along with people like Ed Crenshaw and. And Mr. Simmons, Mr. Algy, 
and uh, my parents, of course, mm-hmm. um, made sure that me walked in straight and narrow and had a plan somewhere, somehow, and to learn how to focus. But not only me, but to make sure that my friends were the same way. And that way, then, if they were that way, it kept me out of trouble. And me being that way kept them out of trouble. That's the way I always looked at it. So, but this has been a real treat for me. I really appreciate it. Um, I can't thank you so much for you coming on, giving uh, me your time, reconnecting here. It was it was all because a former player of yours and a friend of mine came in town to coach an AAU basketball team. And then he pointed out the fact that another player, former player of yours is living in town here and has been here for like six years, and I never knew it. Right. Mike Hayden. Mike Hayden. Right. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to have to connect with Mike and – and and check with check in with him every once in a while since he's up here now, um, but again I want to thank you, I want to congratulate you for all you all your hard work, but also all your successes, and you know, nothing more than a greater success than your son. So, I want to thank you, and uh, I just want to tell you how much you mean to me. Well, I just want to thank you as well. Uh, I, I, I just feel that teachers, mentors live on. They never die because what a mentor will pass on to you, you will remember and you will pass that on to someone else. That is and a- that's, what, that's what's good about uh being a good mentor. That is 100% correct. I wind up telling my son stories all the time and kids that have worked under me and athletes that I've been connected to and whatnot. And so they always kind of look at me like, who is this clown? And then when they graduate and come back to visit, when I was, when I was working in athletics, I left athletics in 2019. When they would come back, they would always thank me uh, for the stories, but also for holding them accountable. And I would tell them, that's all I know because I was held accountable. So Exactly. And I, and I thank you for giving me this opportunity. You don't know what it means to me as well um, because you can, and don't let anyone tell you, you can't, but you learn a lot from your students. Yeah, I always say that, that uh, I'm always learning. I learn something new every day. So Exactly. It never stops. It only stops when you allow it to stop. Exactly. But I w- want to thank you. It's getting late. I'm going to let you go. <laughs> uh, okay. But uh, we'll stay in touch. And um, this has been... And that's a promise. This has been Hall of Famer, Principal, Coach teacher travis brown here on the jb's low-tech podcast hi i'm mike bryant and i'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls 
text, listen to music or podcast, and get directions by voice command or single touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very expensive. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please. Drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. If man is the father, the son is the center of the earth, in the middle of the universe, then why? Is his verse coming six times rehearsed? Don't freestyle much, but I write him like such. Word. Amongst the fiends controlled by the screens, what does it all mean? All this shit I'm seeing. <laughs> Human beings screaming vocal javelins, sign of a local unraveling. Uh-huh. My wandering got my wondering. With crisis and all this crisis, hating Satan never knew what nice is. Check the papers, well, I bet on ISIS. More than your eye can see and ears can hear. Year by year, all the sense disappears. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Wow, that was such going back down memory lanes with uh, Coach Travis Brown, uh, Sumner High School basketball coach, administrator, Hall of Famer. Oh, man, the things were just spinning in my head at that moment. In the mind of JB, well, let's, let me lay this out there. As you heard me and Coach Brown talk about being two inner-city kids and being successful and being minorities. There are a lot more of us than what you see in the news. And there's a lot more of us that do good in this country than you would ever see in the news. So don't take your thoughts of African-Americans and other minorities in this country from what you see in the news or what you see in the media. Get to know people. They may shock you. And I can say the same to my African-American friends and relatives. Get to know people. They may shock you. And with that, I want to thank my sponsor, Mike Bryant. God, Mike. This is, I think, show 109. Thanks for uh, being along for the ride. And if there's anybody else out there that I'm really low budget as far as it goes for ad space. So if there's anybody want to jump on, <laughs> just reach out. JB780 at Comcast.net. And that's J-A-Y-B-E-E. 780 at comcast.net until next week have a good weekend and have a good start of the work week and as always continue to listen to the jb's low-tech podcast jb is my name and up motherfuckers is my game 
right arm. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django, J. B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. J. B. Our great Negro sex machine.